the Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on, not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the Shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a... a, a I'm gonna see like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support. Welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Dan DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Sewing Hope. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you here today on uh, Patchwork Heart Radio, Patchwork Heart Ministry. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, I want to remind you that you can always uh, visit our website, patchworkheart.org. Uh, I want to direct you to a special page on that website as well called patchworkheart.org backslash shroud. Uh, check that out or forward slash shroud, whatever it is. We have a brand new uh, documentary coming out on the Shroud of Turin and want you to check that out. Uh, that page has all the information, how you can be a part of it, how you can bring the film to your group um, and to your parish. Uh, so check it out. Uh, but I don't want to spend too much time talking about ourselves because I have a wonderful, uh, I have a wonderful uh, co-host with me here, Ann DeSantis. I call him, almost call it you a guest. But anyway, how are you? <laughs> great, great. It's good to be a guest and just in any type of podcast with you because we've been doing this for so long, right? I know. And it's an amazing thing that that it's. I think we're already on like episode. Is it like in the one eighties by now? Yeah, one nineties. One nineties. One nineties. Wow, we're gonna have, have a celebration. We get to two hundred. <laughs> I know, right? We're gonna have a big party, some cake and whatnot. But anyway, um, we're in the middle of our parenting series, um, and so this is episode eight of the parenting series. Uh, we're doing a 10-part series on, uh, I, I guess you could call it spiritual parenting or, you know, faith-filled parenting. Um, and it's super exciting. So we're hitting uh, that high school age, that, that, that solid high school age of 16 to 18, right? Like, so this is entering into adulthood, um, choosing colleges, 
uh, all of that kind of stuff that we're going to talk about uh, today and how to do it with the faith in mind. So looking forward to that, Anne. Yeah, same here. And it, it's been a great journey. And I, I know I say this almost kind of at the beginning of every one that we've done, but be sure to check out the other ones too. We have a whole playlist there at Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube channel. There's a parenting playlist for the Sewing Hope podcast. And we literally went from birth all the way up until this point. And then we have two more after this one. So after this one, we still have college years, and then we're going to do adult parenting and also a recap of the entire 10-part series. Yeah. And so, yeah, this, this is great. And um, I think there's a lot to talk about because it, there's a lot of facets to parenting teens. But as Bill said, we're talking about that faith aspect and how to keep your kids engaged in the Catholic faith. Now, Bill, I know you worked for so many years as a youth minister. So this is a, a real area of expertise for you. I wondered if you could share with everyone what you learned about how to keep teens faithful during that 16 to 18 range. Yeah, you know, um, like, you know, I think we talked a little bit about last time that transition from high, from middle school into high school and how difficult that is. Well, I think it's even more difficult <laughs> to transition from, um, you know, thinking about just high school into thinking about college, right? Like we're now going from, um, you know, high school into college with these years. So I'm kind of glad we broke down the high school years into two different, you know, categories, kind of the underclassmen and the upperclassmen, because I really do think that, you know, by the time you hit junior, uh, you know, and senior year, you're, you're really looking um, at a different kind of person, right? Like um, you mature a lot in that in that very short years of, of high school you don't realize how how much is thrown at you and how much you mature um, you know I, I'm reading a book right now called screen kids uh, by uh, Gary Chapman and you know one of the things that is in this book um, it's if he's a phenomenal author he does the five love languages and all that um, but one of the things that stuck out to me in this book is that it said you know you have 18 summers with your kids before they go to school before you go to college. And when you're thinking about that, that really shocked, that, that really shocked me. I mean, I have a 11 month old, so it's like, this is one of his summers, right? Like this is summer number one that's gonna be coming uh, for him. And you have 18 summers with your uh, kids. And so, you know, I, I, I want you to think about as you're parenting, like, you know, these are like the last two summers that you get with your kids before they go off to college and they start getting internships in the summer, they start getting jobs. Um, you know, I mean, they may have had a job in high school, but serious jobs, you know, different kind of internships and stuff, um, and, and going off into the world. So these two summers that you have, these two years, um, you have are super critical. Um, you know, uh, I, I remember at least in my personal experience of my mom and I going and driving to 10 different colleges. We visited 10 different colleges. Um, and, and we spent time, um, picking over them and looking at them, uh, and, and really discerning, you know, what is the best choice for me? Um, and so th that may be a similar experience for you or, or, you know, with your children, if you're planning on, uh, or they're planning on going off to college, uh, spend some intentional time. I mean, we did road trips overnights in hotels and the whole deal, uh, traveled, um, all over from Baltimore up to the Northern, uh, you know, uh, uh, upstate New York. I mean, we went all over the place. Um, and 
it was treasured time, right? Like it was treasured time. It was wonderful time uh, to be able to spend that with my mom, uh, traveling to these different schools and, and looking at them and going on these tours and everything. Um, and, you know, from the spirituality perspective, um, just the gift of being present and also the gift of lifting up your teen um, and and building them up and saying, hey, you know, God is going to do great things through you, right? God is going to do great things through you. Um, and now is a time to make some really good decisions, right? It's time to make some really solid, good decisions. Um, and, and, you know, maybe not making the decision for them, but leading them, right? Uh, you know, accompanying them like my mom did uh, through those years um, really closely. And asking the questions, hey, what do you want to do? What do you think about this? Do you think that this is a, the right school? Do you think that this is the right move for your future? And, you know, maybe not every one of your kids is going to be going off to college and they might be pursuing other things, but walk with them. And I think a big thing is to ask them, and hey, how does your spirituality fit in this? Um, I mean, that was big for me. We visited all the campus ministry departments. I wanted to know, um, you know, what kind of retreats, what kind of mission trips, what kind of service opportunities there were, uh, because I was doing that in my in my, uh, you know, high school. So I think when you think about those upperclassmen years, those juniors and senior years, when you're discerning, you're really discerning your future and that and that path for your future. Um, accompany your kids. Just don't say, oh, you know, we're going to go and, um, you know, just, you know, go to this school and that school and, you know, kind of plan it for them. No, accompany them and help them make those decisions because that helps them uh, with the decision-making process in their faith life going forward. Yeah, well said, because I know you have years of experience also, even with working with kids, and then you remember your own experience and why you went into a good direction. You know, yeah. I know that for all of us, the college years aren't always perfect, right? But I think for the most part, Bill, I mean, I know for you personally, that your faith, you, you stuck with your faith. And, and so that that's really a beautiful thing. And for me, I mean, my own advice a personal advice, I would say on parenting teens, because I did parent two teen teens who are now in their twenties was uh, getting them involved in church activities. I think that really helped when they were in high school, our church has a youth group. They still do. And they did life teen. Now, some of you who are listening might be familiar with life teen. And if you're not, I just say, go to something online. It's a, their website, which is called lifeteen.com. And it is basically a national Catholic ministry that does outreach throughout the whole country. They do programs at churches for youth groups, a weekly youth group broke programs. And so my kids were really involved in that and they loved it. And then of course they went to the Steubenville uh, youth conferences when they were in high school and they both girls loved it. And in fact, my daughter, my older daughter liked ministry so much that she decided when she was in high school, that she wanted to major in Catholic theology. Mm -hmm. And so she went to DeSales University and got her undergraduate degree in theology and now is teaching at a Catholic high school. So it's kind of came full circle for her. And my younger daughter has uh, remained very active in, in the sacramental life and in church and singing. She's a cantor and, and sings at mass. So I really think the groundwork, as I said, during some of the earlier podcasts that were geared for children, 
that the groundwork is laid when they're little ones. Mm -hmm. It's not laid. I don't think so much as much when they're this age. Now, can you do things to encourage the faith when they're teenagers? Absolutely. But I do think that the groundwork for having them love their faith starts as young as Bill's son's age. Bill's son is not even a year old. So you, you can start that young to, to laying the groundwork so that they love God. They understand the sacramental life. They want to go to church. They want to receive their first communion. They are excited about the sacraments. And I think all of that groundwork is laid at a young age. Bill, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. It's definitely uh, laid. And the awesome thing is you get to see the fruit start bearing when they hit high school, I think. Um, right. Like, you know, you you lay that foundation uh, early on and you continue to reinforce it and prune it. Um, and then it begins to bear fruit over the course of, um, you know, their high school years. And as you mentioned, you know, your daughters are, you know, active and continuing to be active because uh, they had a good experience because they did things like going to the Steubenville Youth Conferences because they were involved in Life Teen. Like that's, you know, again, pushing them in a healthy way like just saying hey um, you know why don't you check out this youth group you know uh, you know five of your friends are already going over there on Sunday nights so go check it out go see it you know um, and I think that as you do that um, you know they're like oh, okay yeah um, and they see the place you know and I think a big piece of it you know especially being a youth minister uh, in fact we just had our last confirmation class on Sunday night uh, at our parish. I, I still volunteer. I teach a confirmation program at my parish currently. And we just had our last, um, I think, of 10 sessions for the confirmation students this um, this this uh, this year, last night. And uh, one of the things that I loved talking with them about was, um, you know, just how much the Holy Spirit loves them and how much that they are going to be relying on the Holy Spirit going forward. You know, I said outside of your marriage prep or, you know, holy orders, you know, uh, preparing for holy orders, these are really going to be the last formal classes that you receive in sacramental preparation. I mean, you know, you can get married and that's your choice or you can become a, a priest or a deacon. That's your choice. And, you know, you would, you know, go through formation at those at that point. But if you didn't choose either one of these paths, and this is the last, <laughs> this is the last class, um, you know that that you'd be getting formally in the church. And I just said to them, you know, understand that you know at some point you've got to make the decision. You've got to make the decision to live this each and every day. Um, and so, by 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 recognizing that, you know, parents and sponsors can lay all that foundation, like you said, and they can lay that groundwork. They can lay that, um, you know beautiful foundation for them but it is your responsibility to build upon it you know um nobody can nobody can get you uh to heaven except for you you know you're the only one that can get yourself to heaven and um you know we were we're born alone and we die alone and that's just how it is like you know <laughs> um there's there's not a whole lot of um you know in between right so we have to just remember that when we're talking with young people and saying hey own your faith come into this ownership of your faith um, explore this uh, and and do it 
if for nothing else than for yourself, you know, um, you know, stop doing it for mom and dad. You know, there's that there's that transition, right? We, we meet so much of that stop doing it for mom and dad and start doing it for yourself, because when you do go off to college, you're, they're not going to be there blasting your butt out of bed at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning to go to to go to mass. That's non-existent. Like you're either going to choose to go to church or you're not going to go to church, but um, you're going to have to do it yourself when you go to school uh, or you go off into the world and you start living on your own. So, um, you know, lay that foundation now and um, and challenge your kids to, to own their own faith. I think that's a really big thing. Really good advice. I love that part about owning your faith because I do think at this age it's so important. Um, I'm going to reiterate something I said in the last podcast because I think it's important enough to say again for the one that we did for ages 13 to 15, and that was that parents need to step up to the challenge of of laying some kind of rules in the house because sometimes we can get, parents can get kind of lax when their kids get to be teenagers and allowing them to do certain things with friends or groups of friends that aren't so good. And let's face it, I think the hardest time for most people in their entire lives where they fall away from their faith is when they're faced with hard choices having to do with sin. And what are some of those areas? I mean, alcohol, drugs, human sexuality. I mean, these are just some and even safety issues too. So I think parents need to step up to the challenge because it's going to be awfully hard to love your faith when you're also being so tempted to go in a wrong direction. Because I don't know about you, Bill, but I mean, I've even seen some of the best parents who are very religious Catholics, people who are extremely into their faith, but yet their kids wind up going on a bad path. You know, and that can happen to anybody, really. It can happen to anybody where the kids decide to go, in a bad direction. So I think parents, it has to be a combination of rule setting, but love, because guess what? If the love isn't there, they're not going to follow the rules. They're not going to care that. And that's one thing I learned is that you need to be a good listener and you need to care and you need to take time to be with your teenagers. And I think that's the one thing I really loved about homeschooling, not saying that's for everybody. I know it's not, it certainly is not because the, the, some of the first questions we used to get was something like, what about the prom and what about the football games and what about all these different things that they experience at high school? And you're right. There were some things that they didn't get to do, but one of the benefits was that they didn't have as many temptations. Okay. Now I'm not saying that all homeschoolers don't have temptations. That's not true. I mean, they do. But they weren't in situations as much that could have led them into a better path, if that makes sense. Like I said, it, there's no hard and fast with any of this because homeschooling kids can certainly get into just as much trouble as anybody else. But what I'm saying is there's uh, pluses and minuses for every decision that we make. Mm -hmm. But don't be afraid to tell no to your kids, right? Because there's safety issues, too, that you want to be careful in terms of the kids they're hanging out with and what's going on at somebody's house where you don't know what's happening, some parent that's not home or something. So just don't be afraid to exercise your parenting with them, right? Yeah. And then you're making it easier for them to stay on a better path. You know, I know that both of my daughters said that they did think that they appreciated the way that they were raised because to be honest with you, Bill, they didn't know a lot about what was going on in the world in terms of some of the bad stuff. 
And some people will say, well, that's kind of hovering and sheltering. But at the same time, it did protect them from certain things too, if that makes sense. So I think there's a balance. There's some kind of a balance. And, uh, and there's pluses and minuses for everything. But just don't be afraid to say, you know what? I don't think this is a good idea. I don't care if all of your friends are allowed to do this or that. Um, I'm saying no, because our family doesn't, you know, doesn't think that's a great decision for you. Yeah. And I think that that's a great way to look at life, uh, too, uh, as a parent, you know, exert your authority in the right places. Yes. Um, exerting your authority in the right places is important. And it's, and it's your duty, um, as a parent too. It's, you know, this is not just, a a nice suggestion it's also your yeah. duty to raise yeah. your children um you know in a in a way that's in accord with the gospel as uh, we promised you know at baptism right uh so so that's something that i think uh you know you really uh, touched on very well Anne, because um you know understanding that uh when you when you say no to your to your kids and doing it with love and also i think a big thing is explaining the why uh mm, you know amen so many so many uh parents uh do uh this and they say oh because i said so right you know and um that is that is not a reason because i said so no. because i said so is not a reason um you know it's and, and it's not a loving way to exert the authority so to be able to say listen the answer is no, no matter what. But here is my rationale behind this, right? You're not going to stay over with uh, boys and girls on a sleepover because it's just not right. It's just, you know, there's just too much temptation there. And Lord knows what's going to happen at a party like that. Um, I'm sorry, you can't, you know. Uh, and and giving and giving that reason why of that, you know, it. It's gonna. It could possibly lead into something that um, you know neither of you want. You know, so mm -hmm. uh, weird pressures, weird stuff like that. We're just gonna avoid it, right? Um, you know, and and I think you know helping kids to understand that why gives them the perspective as they grow up and they become parents of themselves, and we're going to talk about that in future episodes, that they will be able to look back and say, okay, I respect, I, I may not have respected the decision right now when they're 16 or 18, <laughs> but they'll respect it when they're, you know, in their mid-20s or 30s, and they'll go, oh, just like, your, you know, your daughter said, they respect the way that they're raised. Why? Because, hey, you know, they were, there was, there was, some some rules and there is some structure and it wasn't just free for all go figure life out on your own um you know so i think that that's exactly right and you've, you've you've hit the nail on the head with that and i hope uh parents take that to heart um and understand that um you know and i'm i'm talking to my future self too because uh <laughs> because my little guy is because my little guy is only 11 months old yeah yeah it's all good i mean and and i want to say this and i said this in another podcast that we did Bill and I are not coming to as absolute experts, but we are coming to as people who love God, who have kids. You know, Bill has a child, I have two. And we've also worked with people in the ministries that we do. We, we've worked with people and we've he heard their stories and we've seen things and, and we want to share what we've learned. And so I just think it's a good place for us on a podcast like this 
just to enlighten people about how to help to bring your kids closer to their faith. And I'm going to reiterate again, one more thing (laughs) that I think is the most important thing when it comes to wanting your kids to have faith. Because I remember when my kids were young, we used to do this group called Pizza and Parenting, and it was an offshoot from Alpha. Now, Bill, I know you know what Alpha is. If, if any of you don't know what that is, just go online and key in the Alpha course. And, and I believe the, the website might be like alphausa.org or something like that. But anyway, it was an offshoot from the Alpha course. And I would hear a lot from friends of mine who had kids the same age that they were very concerned about whether their kids, when they were in college and high school, whether they were going to have faith, whether they were going to get into any trouble in college if they were going to go to church after they were done college, you know, and now it's years later. And uh, not that we need to go into any kind of analysis of what happened. Okay. But what I learned from that was if you want your kids to have faith, okay, the very best way for them to do that is for you to model it, right? Don't be this worried parent that, oh my gosh, I want him to go to mass every Sunday. And oh my, oh, we didn't go this past week. And that's, you know, we, we can pray about that, but model it, just model it, love your faith. Don't just love it because it's a checkbox model it because you love God so much and you love this Catholic church and you are part of the mission of the church Mm -hmm. and you're modeling that to your kid. How can your child not love that when they see that it brings you so much joy? That's the number one thing I think as a Catholic parent as to how you can quote, get your kids to love their faith. It's not giving them all these books or, you know, forcing them to do things or when they, when they do one thing wrong that you just, you know, you nag them or whatever. None of these things are going to work. What's going to work is for you to pray, love them where they are. But most of all, you model that not, don't model it also as a fanatical person, you know, like, someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes, and that's all they can think about is religion in the Catholic Church. You know, Bill and I know that's a good thing to love your faith, but you want to be holistic too, and they want to see some kind of balance, I think. When kids feel like everything is all just about religion 24-7, and there's nothing, you know, no fun, no, um, no other, other things aside, hobbies, or anything aside from just church talk, that's going to turn them off too. So, Bill, I didn't know if you had anything to say with that, but... 100%. You're right. (laughs) I mean, you know, I I think it's really important that, um, you know, children experience the world, but they have the opportunity to go to the zoo. Like, you know, I mean, take take your children, you know, to do fun things at the local park and the local, uh, you know, movie theaters. And, you know, let them them explore explore life, you know. God, God says, you know, I want that he wants us to have life and have it to the full. And, you know, he wants us to dance at weddings. He want, he, and he danced at weddings himself. He wants to enjoy. He wants to uh, you to enjoy life. Um, you know, he, he didn't say, uh, you know, I've come so you can have life and sit in, you know, uh, church 24 seven, you know. Um, now there are some people who are called to that. I'm not saying that you know cloistered nuns and all of that. There's mm-hmm. people who are, they're, they're, that is a real calling, um, and and that may be an authentic call. But but children, 
and high schoolers, they, they need to have the experience of life so that they can discern God's call, right? Um, it's important to recreate, right? There's that, there's that book, Le- a Leisure, The Basis of Culture, meaning that the fun stuff is the basis of culture <laughs> and all the other stuff, mm-hmm. uh, all the other stuff isn't, right? Um, that, that we work to play, and it's so important that we have that play. I mean, I um, see it surrounded in my 11-month-old right now, right? Like, it's constant. I mean, it's all he wants to do is play. All he wants to do is, you know, play or, play or eat or poop. I mean, those are the things, you know, things that happen. <laughs> That's what he does. Right? Yes. Um, but, I mean, you know, um, he doesn't know anything else. And so it's really important that I think you expose your kids to the beauty of the world and what God has created um, and knowing that, they have a family unit that can always come back to a mom and dad. They can come and talk to that. They can come home for a weekend in college or, you know, whatever, and just enjoy. Um, yeah. Make mass a part of it. Make the family rosary on Sunday night, a part of your experience. Not, not saying not to include religion, but, but just, um, you know, make, make that time sacred time, you know, with your, with your teens. Um, and they will appreciate that and they will crave it and they will want to come back to it oh, uh, over and over and over again. Amen. Amen. Now we can't end this podcast without mentioning to all of you for this age group, especially the, the kids that are entering into college. They're in that last year of high school is that Bill and I, and a couple other friends of ours, we wrote a book called hearts burning within us and it's available through Karis publishing. It's also on Amazon and Kindle and it's by Patchwork Heart Ministry. And the book basically is answering the questions that late teens have about their faith, especially when they're entering into college. Bill, I don't know, as we end, if you wanted to share anything else about the book. Oh, it's perfect. Um, head over to our website, patchworkheart.org. Uh, you can learn a little bit more about the book over there. Um, but yeah, it's perfect, uh, especially right now uh, as you're gearing up for all those graduation parties. Um, you're looking for a good book to buy for your teenagers. Um, check it out. Uh, it's available, again, as Ann said, on Karis. You can find it on Amazon and all of that. Um, it's easier uh, you know, to, to buy right directly through the publisher and uh, at karispublishing.com if you want more than one book because uh, Matt and all those wonderful people there um, do such a great job at making sure they fulfill orders. Uh, so, so check it out there. You can find out more information on our website as well, patchworkheart.org. But Anne, this was a lot of fun, and thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much, Bill. So next, next time will be college. So join us for ages 19 to 22. Awesome. Well, Anne, thank you, and thanks everybody listening. May God bless you. And until next time, keep beating to those Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or andesantis2. The Shroud of Turin is one of the most researched and studied relics in church history.
and profoundly impacts many who encounter its mystery. As a person of faith, looking at it through the eyes of faith, um, I don't think it can help but, uh, but touch your heart. Something that we can look on, not only to bolster our faith in those moments of weakness, but also to deepen our faith and our appreciation, our intimacy with Christ. Join Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry as they examine the science of the shroud through the lens of faith. Really interesting scientific information that I, we didn't know about, uh, like the pollen from all the different regions of the world. That's all, as the shroud traveled around, it picked that up. Some of the mites, uh, things like that was really interesting to me. I mean, this made you really want to believe it a lot more. It's impressive. Like, humanly, I don't think, like, that is another level of love. It's not a... a, a and she was like, oh, I love you, I'll give you a chocolate. No, I'm giving you more than my life. I'm giving you my suffering. Asking both experts and disciples, who do you say I am? Um, as far as who the man of the shroud is, I, as a, as a person of faith and kind of reviewing the evidence there, it, it seems that a convincing argument can be made that it's, it's Jesus of Nazareth. Visit patchworkheart.org shroud to learn more and get exclusive behind the scenes updates for your support.